Monday, August 22nd, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hillen. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Pro, Jeff Fisher, and from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann and Bill Barker. Guys, happy Monday. We could be Motley Fool Amateur if you want to go that way to contrast us a little bit with Pro. Exactly. Well, you know, maybe we'll go there a little later. Uh, okay, so the Fed has been secretly loaning money to big banks, and we have the end of an era for one fast food icon. We will get to those in a moment, but we will start overseas with the evolving situation in Libya. Um, uh, Bill Mann, I'll just start with you. Uh, Obviously, uh, by the time uh, this podcast is actually uh, online, things may have changed completely. Gaddafi could be, you know, completely dethroned. But um, (laughs) as opposed to mostly, mostly, Um, but uh, decapitated. Looking looking at this through (laughs) sort of the investing lens, um, uh, oil naturally comes to mind. What do you make of what's going on in Libya and, and what it means specifically for oil companies? Obviously, this is pretty good news. Libya is the, four, the sixth largest oil exporter in the world prior to, uh, prior, prior to the, um, Civil War. the Civil War. And uh, so all of that is basically offline at this, at this point. The thing that I, would, that, that I would caution people on is that just because Qaddafi is gone doesn't mean the oil is going to come back on tomorrow. I mean, this is a country that's gone through a war. So not only do you have six months worth of neglect at the you know at the uh, production field facilities, these have also been amongst the most prized assets, and so they've been fought over. So it's going to be a while before you start seeing a whole lot of uh, uh, capacity coming back online. So you do not see this as being the only element necessary to get oil back under two dollars, as recently promised by. <laughs> Candidate oh. Bachman. This is one of a few, yes. One of 90 or <laughs> 200 <laughs> different things that need to happen. $2 yes. a barrel or gas under $2? Yes. Uh, yeah, sorry, gas under $2. Yes. $2 a yeah. Jeff, what do you think? Well, about 85% of Libya's oil goes to Europe. It won't affect most of the world. You know that, that OPEC filled the gap that when about two-thirds of their production came offline in March, as Bill uh, spoke about. So... I think uh, Bill is right on the money, as usual, Bill. <laughs> Thank you. Good, I'm leaving. Good, good news for Libya, we can hope. Yeah. We can hope. But yeah. it's going to take a while before we see that oil come back online. But oil prices have already kind of anticipated that. At least last I looked, they were down uh, considerably this morning. Yeah. Yeah. So the net effect for people who are looking at oil stocks is is what? That, you know, it's a bright future, or this is long-term just going to sort of have a, a negligible effect, in part because, as you guys were saying, we're looking at upwards of a year uh, before the oil fields are sort of restored to the output that they were doing before the Civil War. Yeah, I think ultimately the 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 market fears uncertainty most of all, and so this is this is an element of certainty coming back on you know uh, coming coming to bear. I mean, for one, you no longer have a madman running you know run, running one of the world's largest producers, which is which is I would say is a good thing. But uh, you know, otherwise, you know, the fact that uh, hostilities are coming to an end, we hope. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a good thing for lots of reasons. I mean, I don't want to be completely mercantilist about this. I mean, I think that it's it's really good news for Libya, for example, and Libyans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is good news. So again, hopefully for Libya that this uh, goes uh, more smoothly than it than it might uh, from here to you know a democracy. But you know, this is just one country in uh, a collection of countries that have interrelated politics and predicting how this event will transfer to uh, the next major issue in that uh, 
part of the world is, is impossible to predict. So, you know, the markets are betting one way for a couple of hours today, but that could all reverse by tomorrow morning. Yeah. It's true. What a historic year, really, for the Middle East. If if all of these countries can move forward in a more positive way in the years ahead, then 2011 is going to be looked back on, on as this giant instrumental sea change, which could have long-term implications for oil trade and prices yeah. overall. Hopefully, all the financial news of this year will kind of mellow out and fall into the background. Speaking of financial news, Bloomberg reported today that the Federal Reserve loaned as much as $1.2 trillion to banks and other companies to head off a depression. This so that's is a, a lot. That's a lot of money. This yeah, is uh, over a time period starting August 2007 through April 2010. Before my question, Bill, i got to say, this is an extraordinary bit of financial journalism. We've talked in this room before about uh, occasionally poking fun at the financial media. Uh, big kudos to the Bloomberg staff going through nearly 30,000 previously secret documents. Um, they get them off of WikiLeaks? <laughs> No, that- <laughs> no, a little, little something called the Freedom of Information Act. <laughs> a little something called the Internet. This was, this was old school journalism, yeah. so, so hats off to Bloomberg for yeah. that. Um, what does this tell you about the state of the big banks that, uh, that maybe we didn't know last week? Bill Mann? I mean, I, to me, and I don't really want to be seen as belittling $1.2 trillion, but this is – we knew that the banks were extremely you – know, were, were in very bad shape in 2008. So to me, this is a story of a degree rather than of you – know, I guess of magnitude rather than of direction. Uh, they had a severe liquidity issue, and you know you're going to see a lot of grandstanding about this issue. But to me, the baseline is that if the banking system were to have allowed to uh, to go into uh, vapor lock in 2008, we would have had a much huger problems than we did. Bill Barker. Yeah, to underline that, I would say that uh, you know we we have a, a couple of mutual funds at, at asset management that have the choice to invest in financials or not and in to invest in banks or not for the most part we've stayed away because things like this as you say aren't even all that surprising oh there was an extra 1.2 trillion that needed to be lent to the banks and to help them noticed. survive <laughs> nobody noticed nobody knew they never mentioned it and this just sort of underlines how little we know about banks Based on their their public fr- yeah, exactly, uh, their they're financials. so opaque. Yep. But but can't you conclude reasonably that between no. <laughs> <laughs> that between <laughs> the bailout money and the loans? I mean, it's 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 pretty easy to look at the banks and go, wow, if it weren't for the federal government, you guys wouldn't be in business at all. Of let, course. Let me help you understand something here, as Bloomberg did. One point two trillion dollars is 539 Olympic swimming pools full of $1 bills. So I think that helps you understand what we're talking about. <laughs> not, not even remotely. Bill well, Mann. Why did they include it in the article? <laughs> you know, Bill, I had the same thought when I read it, but I, I let it go. It's also... It's That's one, some math skills. That is. One, $1.2 is what uh, U.S. homeowners uh, on, on a whole... Oh, in default, they're they're behind on on their mortgages. By the way, well. a lot so of that's, this, that's a big hole. Yeah, a lot of this doesn't happen unless the uh, the federal government changes its regulations for how it man, you know, for how you know for how loans are given in the first place back in uh, in in nineteen ninety four. So, 
you know there 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 are a lot of cooks here for this uh, this this particular uh, debacle. Does this make you more or less interested in investing in banks, U.S. or otherwise, or is it just fall into the category of? I already knew that I didn't know what was going on there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. It re- it, it it reconfirms to me the you know the the bias against investing in financials just because the most important element for you know for knowing about these companies is is essentially unknowable and and unfortunately as we saw uh yesterday surprises tend to be bad well and we we knew that the fed was um interested in making money as cheap as possible for as long as possible now we know that the well fed, done now we know that the <laughs> fed um has the capacity to secretly loan you know, over a trillion dollars worth to banks and, and other companies. Um, what else does the Fed have in, in its toolbox other than optimism and cheerleading? Yeah. So. Yeah, we we don't know. I guess I, we had talked about whether there was going to be a QE3 or something like that. Yep. And I said the, the problem was not whether there would be one. There, there would be some action by the Fed, but it didn't need to have a special brand put on it. That is, they have all these instru- instruments at their disposal, including apparently secret loans of one point two trillion yeah. that that don't necessarily need a name tag on them to provide security and and just solvency and liquidity liquidity more than solvency to the markets. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that there probably are things going on right now that may be of the same magnitude as you know as as this secret program. And uh, you know, I, I I would say that obviously money is about as cheap as it could possibly be now. I mean, the only thing that they could really do in terms of, you know, of monetary policy is make, you know, is pay people to uh, to to take loans. They could do other things like press for uh, for loan modification and debt forgiveness and 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 uh, you know and 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 these types of programs that wouldn't be called QE three, but it would be something different. So they do have some additional you know, tools in the toolbox. Jeff and this all said, I think we all agree that we're glad. I'm glad they did this 1.2 trillion because who knows what would have happened had they not. Yeah. And the Fed says they made money on it. In the end, they haven't lost any money. They made money. The main thing that that perplexed me was how they could lend so much of that money to foreign banks. It wasn't just U.S. banks, but many banks in Europe received hundreds of billions, I believe, at right. least tens of billions. Yeah, the, of, top, the, the top three, Morgan Stanley, Citibank, and Bank of America, and number four on the list, the Royal Bank of Scotland Group. I mean, this is U.S. taxpayer money going overseas, and yeah. I, I don't know how they have the jurisdiction to do that. Yeah, well, the financial system, for better or for worse, unlike any other industry, is very deeply connected, you know, going across borders. I mean, money doesn't really care what country it happens to be in. You know, I think the thing that really, uh, as a citizen, makes me a little bit angry is that uh, is that the uh, the shareholders and the managers didn't pay, didn't have to suffer a little bit more for, uh, you know, for this largesse. I mean, you know, the uh, bonuses going to banks were massive again last year, going to the, going to the bank executives and employees and they really shouldn't have been and and one thing to weigh in whether these secret loans are or not a good thing and i think most of us probably uh assume that that uh, having transparency is is better but given the potential you know the current political climate what (laughs) candidates and potential candidates would do and what they would say and how educated their thoughts and statements would be you know, if they were allowed to opine on something every time the Fed needs to do something dramatic, right. j- just weigh that uh, in, in your calculation. Yeah. All right. Before we get to our final story, uh, Motley Fool Pro, uh, the service you run, Jeff, is uh, is reopening this week. Um, just give me a, give me a twenty second plug for your Super service. Pro is nearly three years old now. Launched in October two thousand eight. 
our returns are above 10% annualized. We are aiming for steady recurring profits with less volatility and less risk than the market overall. We use that. We, we accomplish that through longs, some shorts and hedges, and use of options. Okay. And for more information, you can go to surething.fool.com for a free report. That's surething.fool.com. And, and the sure thing refers to volatility, not the John Cusack movie from the, from the 80s. Which is kind of awesome. Which is a pretty solid movie. Uh, finally, on Nicolette, Friday... Nicolette Sheridan. <laughs> young Nicolette Sheridan. On Friday, Burger King Corporation said it is retiring the King mascot. It is rolling out a new ad campaign focusing on fresh ingredients for the new California Whopper... The king is dead, gentlemen. Long live the king. Bill Mann, uh, Bill Barker, excuse me. I get you two confused. Um, <laughs> we're, we're talking this morning. The, I mean, the king mascot, the word that just constantly comes up is creepy. Yes. And the first word. The first yeah. word. The, Always. From the beginning. From the yeah. beginning. And this, this mascot's been around since like 2003, 2004. I, what was longest lasting, obviously creepy mascot in the history of American commerce? Was Tapey the tapeworm not available? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It, it really was pretty amazing how long it lasted. Because if we were doing this podcast in the fall of 2004 and uh. it was buy, sell, or hold. The new mascot. So much short. Yeah. We'd all be selling. <laughs> I would have so taken wrong. the under. Under on one year. Um, I went back and found an article in uh, Slate Magazine online uh, right after the launch, and it said that Burger King, with the with this new mascot, was was trying to focus on being a hip alternative to McDonald's and Wendy's because they felt like McDonald's and Wendy's were really focused on families. And um, everybody hates families, <laughs> yeah. and, and especially businesses. Yeah, and now and. <laughs> <laughs> With their money, exactly, <laughs> and their disposable income, <laughs> and their food that appeals to kids, and uh, and what were you saying about McDonald's stock this morning? It's pretty close to an all-time high. Yeah, uh, it's so. within a dollar or two. It's really uh, survived the last you know couple weeks and and the 08 time frame remarkably well. Of course, Burger King has not been a publicly traded stock for uh, several years um, now, but uh, yeah, Burger King could have could have done something different than what here's it has the, done. Here's the thing that I think about Burger King. I don't know where one is. I mean, we're in one of the largest metropolitan areas in the country. I don't know where a Burger well, King is. Well, that's a good thing that you don't know. <laughs> well, it's well, sort of by the exits I mean, on uh, I-95 on your way north uh, or particularly south, I so think. Did this king, I'm ignorant as well about Burger King, did the king have a slogan, a logo, or did he say something? So he scared people. Yeah. You know, he looks creepy. So, so the king was launched uh, in the early part of the last decade in concert with Burger King's new breakfast menu. And so they had this ad a couple of ads that and the slogan was wake up with the king and if you may remember there was a guy who wakes up in his bed rolls over and, and there's, there's the king there's the king and he's offering him like a breakfast sandwich it has just come back to me here and, and i have not eaten at burger king certainly not for breakfast since for fear of just that happening in my life you get two heart attacks in 3 minutes yeah I mean, the, the last time I saw something where a guy woke up in bed with something he the didn't Godfather. expect, it was the Godfather <laughs> and the horse's head. Um, if you had to take a cross-country trip with a mascot, who are you going with? Who are Ooh. you going with? Wow. Um, I'm going Michelin Man, because if anything breaks down. Sweet. I'm going to say Tony the Tiger. Really? Uh, just because he's, he's fun. He can do the, uh, you know, sing the songs from The Grinch. Because it was the That's same pre- guy who did, did, did. I did not know that. You did not know that. No, I didn't. 
Well, now, now you now I know you can imagine a, a trip across the country listening to that one. You're song going on a trip across again, the country again, with a tiger. I was yeah, <laughs> yeah, well. How cool is that? First of all, you're gonna make he's it, a cartoon tiger. You're gonna make it to Bethesda before you are mauled <laughs> and eaten, not by Tony. Bill, man, what about you? <laughs> I'm just gonna follow Barker and watch the fun <laughs> driving with a tiger. <laughs> Maybe the tiger's driving. That's right. Keep his hands on the wheel. Jeff, safe to assume you're not, uh, even though he's available, you're not picking the king. I go with him. the M&M guys. They won't make a mess. You can eat them when you're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to ride with you if you're just going to eat them. You the don't point? tell them. <laughs> yeah, you got to be discreet about it. Uh in closing, we have one final email to get to. Uh, if you listened last week, um, uh, w- one of our listeners who was mentioned repeatedly was Dustin Whitmer, a guy who uh, sent us an email a while back referring to Market Foolery as his third favorite podcast. Do you think M&Ms are his third favorite <laughs> snack food? We'll find out. Maybe we'll get another email. Um, and we asked him last week to M&Ms. send us an email saying, what, what are your top two? We, you know, we, we'd love to be number one, but, but what are your top two? Uh, he sent an email this morning. Uh, guys, uh, sorry, here's the info you requested. Um, I normally download the whole week of podcasts at the end of the week and gorge myself on foolishness on Friday and Saturday. The other two Bad f- mental image. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other two favorites are the podcasts by Albert Moeller and Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons, uh, the sports guy from ESPN, and, uh, and Dr. Albert Moeller. Um, we don't uh, know who he is. I, th- I think he's a minister. He has a, a, oh. a, a podcast and a radio show about, about Christianity and mix. cultural issues. Yeah. Um, he goes on to say, uh, my family background is in dairy farming, and I almost drove off the side of the road when some insolent fool suggested the cow was an overrated barnyard animal. Bill Mann, I believe you're the insolent fool he's referring to. <laughs> when we talked about Farmville and we talked what? about what is the most overrated I, farm animal. I was shocked by that answer I'm myself. I'm shocked right now. Exactly. Because you said, Bill Barker, you said. Cows are bad for the environment. Have you heard this whole, like, methane crisis? The only way. Dustin. The only society in which a cow is overrated. Arguably. India. Yeah, the ones right. where they're holy. Right. And uh, even there, it's <laughs> arguable because. Yeah. Do you it's not like? Do you not take milk in your coffee? Do you not eat ice cream? Do you not like burgers? Pigs, you love burgers. Pigs are the leather so much chaps. More you're always wearing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but not today. <laughs> a, cu- a couple of years ago, when we were doing uh, Motley Fool Money just as a weekly podcast, we ha- we actually had a feature that we did for a couple of months called uh, the leather chaps feature. No, no, no. Called what's your beef? And it, it was basically the guys would just pick an issue, uh, a business leader or a company that they were annoyed with. And it was a chance for you know, guys to just sort of sound off on, on some, something in the business world. And it was accompanied by uh, a mooing sound effect. It was our one sound effect in, in Motley Fool history. Um, and Dustin uh, also goes on to write is, uh, all I need is that cow special effect, and you guys are number one overall. And, you know, that's, but that's not how we roll. We don't, you know. Yeah, wow, exactly. Not gonna, no, no, that's not how we roll. All right. You're not going to pander. We're not going to pander. Exactly. <laughs> Some people, politicians pander. We don't pander here. Dance monkey boy. We, we can do a pig special effect. <laughs> Bill Mann and Bill Barker from Motley Fool Asset Management and Jeff Fisher from Motley Fool Pro. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 